Good morning. Hi, good morning. Welcome to the Scramble Eggs and Ham podcast. My name is Bill Clark, and I am your host this morning. Today, we have two special guests. So this morning, I am the scrambled eggs, and Jane and Joe Concato are the hams. So you guys are the hams this morning, and I'm the scrambled egg. So I want to talk a little bit about the um, um, the podcast. So the Scramble Egg and Ham podcast is a weekly or sometimes monthly interview show focused upon the reinvention of the lives of each interviewee as a result of or inspired by the life-changing illnesses that have now become part of their daily existence. In each case, the interviewee has used his or her illness from strokes to neurological disorders, for example, as an impetus for personal growth. So this morning we have Joe and Jane Concato, and this morning we're going to talk about the benefits of caregiving and how important caregiving is. So good. So good morning, Jane. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. We're both doing well. Wonderful. Hey, Jane. Good morning. I haven't seen you guys in a while. You know, I'm so happy um, to hear your voices, and it sounds like you're doing well. Um, for the audience, I met Joe and Jane when I was when I had my stroke at Kessler. I was there, and um, Jane was part of my group, and Joe was her caregiver, and he had so much great insight on um, on on how to become a caregiver and 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 what the role of a caregiver is, which is very special, you know. So so Jane, first of all, I want to start with you. Jane, okay. can you share with us what happened? What what happened to you? Sure. I was home. It happened on March 15, 2004. I was home in our Cape Cod, and early in the morning, um, apparently I got up, went down the steps, and that's the last thing I remember, mm-hmm. but I had fallen and uh, hit my head. Okay. Severely. Wow. Were you unconscious? Yeah, I, I um, immediately went into post-traumatic amnesia, which I learned later is a very good thing because um, because of the trauma that started after that. I don't remember any of the trauma. I remember some of it, but most of it I don't remember for the first Wow. Three or four, which is a good thing. Wow. So do you do you know how long you were laying on that floor? Unconscious? Uh not very long because Joe heard me fall. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he I know he called nine one one and the uh police and ambulance got there as quick as possible. Wow, wow. So you fell down the stairs, you were unconscious. Lucky for you there was someone in the house besides you, is that correct? Definitely. And who was inside the house beside you at that time? I guess Joe and our dog. Okay. So Joe was there? Yes. So Joe, when you, where were you at the time, where were you in the house when this happened, when she fell down the stairs? What, were you in the basement, uh, attic, in your office? I, I, I was actually in bed. It, it happened uh, probably between 5 and 6 a.m. in the morning. So, so I was kind of half asleep. I didn't hear Jane get up and go down to the kitchen or anything else. Uh, and I guess in my state, I heard uh, a tumble and a thud. Mm. And I, I jumped out of bed and I saw her laying at the, the foot of the steps. Wow. Well, Jane, you're pretty lucky. You're fortunate. Sometimes people aren't there when you people have these falls. So what, what took place then? What did you do then, Joe? Uh, uh, first thing, obviously, I called 911. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I saw that Jane was alive and breathing, but I also knew from some first aid and other medical experience that we had that she needed uh, serious trauma assistance. Mm-hmm. So I called 911. While I was waiting for everyone to come, I made sure the dogs were out of the way. Uh-huh. And also she was laying by the front door. Oh. So I knew all the emergency services folks couldn't come in the front door. So I went around the back and told them the way to come in. Wow. So what what took place after they got to the hospital? So you guys went to the hospital. She was unconscious. You were by her mm-hmm. side. What what was the diagnosis? 
Uh, I, honestly, I don't remember too much about that first day in, in the hospital. I, I don't think I saw Jane. It happened between 5 and 6 a.m. Uh, I probably didn't see her until it was certainly after 10. Okay. Okay, wow. It was, so it was several hours, and I uh, just relied on the medical person. She did go to a trauma center instead of our local hospital. Mm -hmm. okay. And I relied on the medical staff and whatever to take care of her, and eventually I was able to talk to the medical staff, uh, see her. I, I realized there was no communication going on. They said they were going to admit her, obviously, into ICU and everything else, and that started the whole process. Okay, okay, got it. So, Jane, how long, what, what happened when you woke, when you finally woke up, what were you, what was it like? Well, I was I was in a coma, and you don't just pop out of a coma like you see on a daytime show. Um, on a Friday, you're in a coma. Monday, you're like, I'm so refreshed. Wow. You yeah. basically mm -hmm. go in and out of the coma. Then you become minimally conscious, which, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I never had all of a sudden I just woke up and said, what happened? It went back and forth. I had small memories. Mm -hmm. Even when I got to Kessler a month later, I really don't remember the first week. Um, and I didn't understand why, what had happened. Um, Joe kept reminding me I hit my head, but all I, I also broke my wrist. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that I had a cast on my right hand, uh -huh. and I kept saying, "In I kept saying to myself, and maybe out loud, you don't stay in the hospital for a broken wrist.' So I knew something was up." Uh huh. Okay. Um, so a question for you: So were you at this time in your life? Um, when you, were you working a career? Were you working every? Mm -hmm. you, you were doing career, right? You were in a career. I'm a registered dental hygienist, and I would have gone to work that day, and um, I loved my job, and that was one of the, uh, a few months after that, when I was definitely conscious and aware, mm -hmm. I wanted to go back to work, and eventually I did realize that I wasn't going back to work um, because of my brain injury. Wow. I couldn't go back to work. Okay. Um, I had... Aphasia, uh, which is a speech disorder. Um, I had both speed of processing. I, by the time someone got to the third sentence um, speaking to me, I couldn't even understand what the first sentence met, mm -hmm. meant. And I also had neurofatigue, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, and I used to see 10 patients a day, and there was no way I could do that anymore. Wow, wow. I'm sorry, Bill. Can you tell the audience what that is? What, what is, Bill? I'm sorry. Neurosities? Uh, neurofatigue. Oh, no, sure. I had it yesterday. Uh, <laughs> okay. Neurofatigue um, is when your brain is overstimulated. You've done too much. I know, I know people say they get tired, and they do. Mm -hmm. uh, people, uh, people without brain injuries. and People get tired. And they come home and go to sleep. But um, if I'm at a seminar or participating in a big group, mm -hmm. I can just get overwhelmed, and it just it makes me tired even to think. Mm -hmm. And Joe will look at me and just he knows it's coming. And um, there's been times when when I got when we, when I've gotten up in the morning for a seminar, and I just look at Joe and say, I, I can't do it. Uh -huh. I'm going to. I can't think anymore, and um, and I have to lay down. I have to go to sleep. I mean, yesterday we were out all day speaking about brain injury, mm -hmm. and um, we got home about five. I said, Joe, here's your supper. I'm upstairs, and he doesn't say, oh, you should do a load of wash. You should do that. He knows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Wow. He's in tune with you. Wow, that's great. That's wonderful. So, Joe, so now Jane, your wife, is out of the hospital. She's home, recovering from a brain injury. Were you working then? Uh, not, not initially. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I worked in IT for a uh, Fortune 500 company. Uh-huh. And uh, when she was in, in the hospital, and in, when, when she was in the hospital, I spent most days by her side, uh-huh. talking with the doctors and the staff and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she went to therapy, I think I went the first day and day or two where they come up with the ther- therapy plan and explain what they're going to be doing and how they'll try to get her to improve. And then from that point forward, they did not want me there. Wow. So now you are a caregiver for Jane, for your wife. Yes. So how was that? There's a lot of questions I have here for you. So were you, how, how was that for you, that experience for you? You know, um, I know it's tough. I've been through this. I'm a caregiver now, in fact, for a family member. I know it's tough. I know about caregiver burnout. Did you get any training? Did you get any support? Uh, I didn't have any formal training. I certainly had a lot of support. I consider myself a very fortunate person, and I don't know uh, how I got this in my life, but throughout my life, I rarely let things bother me. Wow. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, certainly when Jane fell on that first day, couple of days, first week, was scary because uh, no, no one knew what was going on. Even talking to the medical staff, they said, we don't know yet. We have to continue to monitor and everything else. Uh, but shortly thereafter, there was uh, improvement every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Yes, great. That's wonderful. That's success. And I was able to focus on that improvement. Uh, some days it was one step forward and two steps back. Mm-hmm. Some days it was two steps forward and one step back. Mm. It, it, it certainly wasn't a straight line go, go, going up. And you deal with scenarios and uh, not necessarily change plans, but... Uh, listen to what you're being told, make decisions with the medical staff and continue to move forward. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, yeah. You have to listen to the medical staff. I found that very important. So how was, we also had, uh, we both came from family of emergency services. Mm -hmm. So when we had moved to Westwood, uh, we, we joined the fire department and, uh, that was a terrific support system. Yes, I can imagine. So you had some experience and you had um, you had um, resources that some people don't have because um, you were part of that group. Those, um, those... That, that is correct. Also, the, the local church also uh-huh. in, in our town, as well as, of course, family and friends that, that we had become close to over the years. Talk about, um, to me, um, about um, being a, a caregiver you're a caregiver now, and and working, and juggling work. How was that experience? Uh, th- th- there were probably some difficult days. Uh, the, the company that I worked for was very understanding. Mm-hmm. So when something came up, even if it was at the last minute, I would keep them informed of what uh, I felt I needed to do. And I would go about doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people now that I would have done everything that I did, no matter what the situation was. Uh-huh. The fact that the company had my back and allowed me to do things like that and didn't give me a hassle just made it a little bit easier. It made it a lot easier. Wow, that's that's great. You have a, a company that is humanistic and understands. Yes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's very important to have that type of. Um, wow, you like you said, you were fortunate, you know. Talk to me about yes. talk to me about burnout, you know, and and how could people in your position who are now supporting others, you know, they find everything's okay, you know, they're going fishing or something, life is great, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they find themselves in this position like you found yourself in. Uh, how about burnout? How did how how did you deal with that? How did you overcome burnout? Uh, because of my nature and things, as I was saying, I don't think I ever felt it. Uh-huh. 
I realize that other people may experience it. Uh, what I would tell those people is uh, rely on your support system. Burnout is real. It, it could be debilitating. It could be debilitating for you. It could also be detrimental for your loved one that actually suffered the injury because you may not be there when they really need you. Uh-huh. Is there any type of, um, is it, how important is it for um, caregivers to get therapy? Should they do it? You think it's important for them to do it alone? Should they, should a caregiver get therapy, see a therapist with um, their, 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 you know, the person they're taking care of, the individual they're taking care of, or should they go alone? Is it, is it better to, do you feel that therapy for a caregiver is an individual thing? Uh, th that depends, I, I believe, totally upon the caregiver. Mm -hmm. I, I was able to do it, and I don't want to say alone, uh, because I had so much support from, my, like we said, the, the church, the volunteer fire department, friends and family. But when it came to uh, making decisions and, uh, I, I don't know, sitting home at night, just thinking about things, mm -hmm. I was very comfortable alone. Okay. Uh, there may be some people who uh, would want someone to talk to in, in the evening, and I wasn't necessarily that person. That, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with whatever approach you take. Mm -hmm. So were were you able to talk to people um, as this thing went on in, your, in your, both of your lives, and she was getting better, and you were in these support groups, what type of questions did they ask you? You know, because I've been in support groups and I know, and I, we both know that they could be pretty tough. Yeah. You know, uh, because you could, for, heard, for me, it was. I remember when, when Jane was a patient in uh, West Orange or East Orange uh -huh. uh, at the facility there. Some of the case managers would, uh, I would only get there uh, around dinner time because uh -huh. I spent uh, most of the day at work. I used to come home and take, take care of things and then uh, go down to the facility, have dinner with Jane and talk about the day and, and whatever. And the, the staff there would encourage me to uh, attend a support group uh -huh. that I believe they had once a month. Uh, I, I never went to the support group when Jane was an inpatient because that was my time to spend with her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and it was, uh, I, I was asked multiple times and I politely refused multiple times. Uh, it, it turns out after she came home, we started attending the support group that was at that same facility where she was an inpatient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was t terrific. Yeah. I mean, we, we knew from the very beginning that uh, listening to other people going through the same scenario, hearing their stories uh, of successes and, and difficulties helped understand that we were not alone. Wow. What, so what were some of the tools you gained from that? from being part of that support group. What are some of the things you learned or some tools that you were able to, to use in your life? Wow. I don't uh, know. I'm not I'm trying to put you on the spot, but Jane has something to add too. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, it was, I don't Nice is not the correct word. It was, it was helpful for me to be with other survivors because I knew what they were going through, uh, aphasia, uh, problem with speech, and the neurofatigue, and a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. I knew we had a lot of common, and, you know, we would laugh, we would cry, um, and we would be happy when other survivors had successes, mm -hmm. uh, when they began to drive. Um, it, it was, I look forward to it. Um, and I, I think Joe also could talk to other uh, caregivers. Mm -hmm. They did have, once in a while, the, the group would be split. 
survivors in one room and caregivers in the other. And he spoke with other caregivers. I don't know what he spoke about, and I would always be, um, when he came back into the main room, I'd always be like, what did he say about me? What did he say? <laughs> I laughed. Um, but that was good for him because I'm sure he came up with top, with what was he was going through, and, and I'm sure he helped because that's the kind of man he is. He helped other survivors, I'm sorry, caregivers, mm-hmm. along the way, just like being with a, a survivor, it helped all of us. Yes. Uh, and we also, we didn't use this term at, at the time. I don't know when we first started using it, but that support group or that support system of fellow survivors and caregivers became our family. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I remember that. Thank you for sharing that. I, I remember that experience. I also felt that experience when I was at Kessler. And um, Yeah, because as I mean, family is family. You have the blood relation and everything else, but uh, unless you're suffering a brain injury or care, the, the primary caregiver for someone with a brain injury, you don't understand. Right. You know what? And, and, um, Speaking about not understanding or being, you know, being on the outside, looking on the inside, I had an experience where I was working. I got this job and um, I didn't know how, you know, it was it was in it was neuroscience. It was um, Marble's the brain store. You remember that store? Did you ever interact with that store? Well, they made games for people who had Alzheimer's or multiple sclerosis or traumatic brain injury. Or just if you want to be smart, puzzles, games, music, different types of things. And I was fortunate enough to get to get it um, employed, be employed there after certain interviews. I was told no. And then I said, listen, I have something to offer. I had this experience and I know how to talk to this, this community of people. And this other person hired me immediately. And one of the things that broke my heart was that while I was servicing or, or counseling or or, or talking to people, caregivers, and they would say to me, you know what? My husband is not the same person anymore. And then they'd stay break down in tears in the office. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? Uh, I think the first thing i say is, yeah, you're, you're right. Your loved one is not the same person anymore. Uh, th- that is the reality of the situation. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the the next. Uh, not not that it allows you to become someone else, but you don't know what's in store for the future. And not saying that your life was bad before the injury, mm-hmm. but you have the opportunity to start a new path in your life. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would tell my wife, "I'm not the same person. I'm better." I have yeah. I'm better mm-hmm. now. <laughs> now I'm better. <laughs> so I'm using this as impetus for my personal growth, become a better husband, a better friend, a better father, you know. So um, I, I agree with you, Bill, because uh you realize what is important in life. Um friends. I mean, I did lose friends uh because um I was fairly young when I had my brain injury and they all still worked Mm -hmm. and I did monetarily, we were blessed not to have me go back to work for money situations. Mm -hmm. And I think they were a little jealous and they really thought I stayed home all day watching TV and eating bonbons. (laughs) In reality, um, one of the first things I did, because my uh, rehab hospital wanted the survivors to have a purpose after even the outpatient, after their outpatient, which I had outpatient for about eight months, uh-huh. uh, they wanted uh, the, the survivor to have a purpose if they didn't go back to work. So I made my um, Shetland sheepdog, uh, Lucy, into a therapy dog, and I went back to my original uh, rehab facility mm-hmm. during the day, and I visited uh, patients during um, their rehab, and I would have loved it, um, it when I was an inpatient, but I didn't see it, but I, 
just to see a dog because we love dogs. But I was out of the house a lot um, after I got the okay to drive. I was out of the house a lot visiting um, people that had brain injuries, um, doing church things. Mm-hmm. But people thought I was lazy, and I still, I still have people that really aren't friends anymore. I, I put them in the background mm-hmm. that think, you know, the last 19 years have been a piece of cake for me, and, and it hasn't. I mean, during, during the years, I've had been back to the hospital a few times, um, not for major things, but uh, things that are related to my brain injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Joe said, and you know, and I know, unless you walk the path, people don't understand what you're going through. Right, right. No, they can't see. The brain injury is different than a leg injury because you don't have a cast right. on your brain. You know, that's, yep. that's what we used to say a lot. So, um, that's you know, um, I'm sad. That, that's sad to hear about. You know, the friends that are no longer you know in this in your space because of um, they have a misconception about um, the events that happen in our lives with. Um, tra- tra- I, I think it's not only me from whom I've spoken. From the survivors and caregivers that I've spoke to, um, it's, it's pretty common. Yes. It's pretty Why aren't you back to work? You look fine. Well, blah, blah, blah. I can't, you know. Then they look at you and they just think you're lazy. Yeah. The, the other comment we use often, too, is you find out who your true friends are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did, did they start, you know, did, like for me, like they started talking to me, Joe and Jane, like real slow. Like, do you understand what I'm talking about? You know, stuff like that. No, no, no. I don't, I, I kind of like, um, yeah, like you said, put them in the distance in the background and do them, you know, do them at a distance, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, well, it, it's friends tough. Friends that can still be good friends, but they don't know what to expect. The first time I went back to the fire department, um, I, it was a social event, and Joe had kept them abreast of what my recovery was happening and what, 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 how I was doing. And when I walked into the firehouse and we went up to the, um, the party or whatever was going on, they were kind of, and I could tell, they were kind of afraid what they were going to see. Mm. And yes, I wasn't walking correctly. Um, my gait was off. I didn't speak well, but they said, hey, she's, Jane is here, and um, they all supported me. They, mm-hmm. they were, and I would feel the same way if I saw someone that went through a really traumatic thing. Uh, what are they going to be like? But, um, and I had turned the age where friends would say, oh, we all forget words. Mm-hmm. But I was forgetting simple words like blanket and... Soda, and I, I mean, I still do. Uh-huh. I, that will never go away. It's gotten better, mm-hmm. and I know the strategies of, of finding the words, but I don't always use the strategies. I get very upset that I don't remember the word because before my brain injury, I was I had a pretty good vocabulary. Mm-hmm. What are some of the what? Give me tell us tell the listeners about one. Give us one strategy that you use. Uh, to remedy that, uh, one of the main strategies that I thought of, and my speech therapist didn't agree with, but it, it does work, is when you can't remember the word, it's, it, it, I relax and the word will come back. Um, and Joe will always say, use another word. And I get really frustrated when he tells me to use, I mean, I love him dearly, but, and I know why he's doing this. He'll say, use another word, which is a strategy. And, but the, I'm so frustrated even now that I can't remember the word I want. Mm-hmm. And then if you're with family, all of a sudden, and I know you've probably gone through it too, you're with family members and they're filling in the blank. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they forget what that you were speaking, and they change the the subject, and that really pisses me off. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And it still does. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like I'm not important. What I'm saying is not important. Mm. Uh, wow, wow, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that helped me with that was, um, you know, the, my wife went to work and the kids, you know, I was no longer responsible for driving the kids to school back in 2000. And my stroke happened in 2009. Yeah, 2009. So back then, you know, during that period of recovery, those two years, I was no longer responsible for taking the kids to school. It was like, nope, you can't do it. Um, Because you go to the playground, you hear all the laughter you know, an excitement and kids swinging on the swings and it would just send, it would just set off uh, PTSD for me. You know, it was horrible. So I couldn't go to the yeah. playground. I couldn't drop them off. I could not pick them up. So I was home alone a lot during those years, you know, and what I would do was I'd put on, I had some of those old 45 records, James Brown oh. to Temptations, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'd start to, and I couldn't remember, we, you know, I've sung this song in my youth a thousand, a billion times, The Temptations, you know. Uh, Papa was a rolling stone, stuff like that, yeah. you know. And I couldn't remember any of the lyrics, nothing. And I started, what I did every day when they went to school was I would just put that on and just follow along with them. And I changed when I, once I got that one down, I could sing it without, you know, having the record player playing by myself in the backyard. Right. I put another 45 on and learned the lyrics all over again. So I was re- relearning, reteaching my brain, you know, re-establishing those neurons. Because my, right. my short-term memory was messed up, Joe. Right. Well, that was your strategy. And they have found in studies that music is a form of rehabilitation um, in brain disorders. Mm. And, I mean, I, I, yeah, I wish I... I knew you were doing that. I would have come by and sung with you, and we would have started to dance. But um, but, but but you're singing. Was, but you're singing like yeah. you're singing. You belong to a choir, right? I was in New Jersey. I was in the girls' choir in our church. Um, that helped a lot. I, I can't read music. I couldn't read music before, and I, I still can't. But it did help me. Um, it helped my brain concentrate. Um, I would use my own strategies, like I would use a pencil. Uh, when one of the notes went up instead of down, I would draw a line that pointed up. I would bring my music home. I would take the uh, rehearsals and bring my music home along. I had like a little uh, thing from Radio Shack uh-huh. recorder. And I would bring my music home um, and practice at home. And I was out of the 20 women... I was the only one that did that, but that's the way I grew up, and that was the only way I could relax and sit at home and learn the music. Mm, wow! And I do miss that. I, that's one of the that's one of the New Jersey um, communities that I miss. Mm-hmm. One of the ones I miss the most. Mm. The choir. Yeah. Wow! Wow! wow. Yeah. You know, Joe, um, talking about the fire department, you know. I used to, because I couldn't, I didn't remember to turn the stove off. I said, I oh. burnt, I burnt up the kitchen like maybe seven times Ooh. in the beginning, you know, the beginning of um, my rehab and 2010, 2009, around that area of the rehab, the Kessler area where I was at Kessler um, as an outpatient, you know, like three days a week right. I would go. And, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I look back at that stuff now, I'm like, damn, you know. I don't know how she didn't divorce me then. <laughs> like we were buying like a set of pots and pans like every month. <laughs> you know, it's absolutely, I, I don't know. You helped me, like you said, you know, the family, my kids looked after me. My They were very young. My daughter was only six years old, but she looked after me. And my son was, mm-hmm. least, yeah, I think he was they're six years apart, so he had to be 12. Right. Yeah, and, and one of the things that Jane was talking about with strategies too. Uh, everyone has to come up with their own strategy, mm-hmm. whether it's writing notes on a piece of paper or putting alarms on your phone or whatever the situation is, or putting uh, 
a, a post-it above the stove that says, remember to turn the stove off. Right, yeah, but right. You, you might forget that you put the post-it on the refrigerator. Yeah, but if it's... If it's no, right, exactly. But, but things like that, and uh, there's not one strategy that works for all. Right. Everyone has to find their, their own strategy that works for them. Right, that's right. I think part I had two strategies. One, the um, remember the brain injury fund in Trenton, the yeah. TBI fund. They came to the house after I set the house to fire seven times. Dick, <laughs> I know it's not funny, but they came to the house and they gave me this thing for the stove that automatically turned it off. It's like this. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I hadn't. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. They gave me a grant. Actually, I got a TBI grant. Okay. Okay. It was, it was well, incredible. Well, that's what their purpose was, and I'm glad they helped you. Yeah. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. The other strategy was, uh, Joe, is how can I keep the divorce lawyer out of my house? Let me see. <laughs> well, it seems like your wife was very supportive. Um, I guess for Christmas every year you could... You gave her new pots and pans. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, my wife is very supportive. She's absolutely phenomenal. The kids are well, that's, phenomenal. That's, that's... The wife is phenomenal. She is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, over the years we've seen a lot of situations where couples have gotten closer, mm -hmm. and the brain injury was like, quote unquote, the last straw, uh -huh. and it causes a breakup or a total. A total split. Yes, I know. I'll meet. I also um, experienced. Like I said, I was working in an environment where people would come in to buy games um, because they felt that that would help repair, you know, the brain. And it, it it can, it does, if you do it. You know, if you do those games, it, you know, like one of the things that helped me was learning how to play chess. You know, now. Oh, right. yeah. that's good. Yeah. Now I play chess on four different computers at the same time. Of course, you can't beat yeah. them because of AI. But Joe, you know, artificial, you know, AI, artificial intelligence. They, you can't beat them because uh -huh. the algorithms. But it helped me tremendously um, for my executive, yeah. my executive functioning. Uh, tremendous, sure. Tremendously. I started to do Sudoku. Mm, uh -huh. I can never understand Sudoku. I tried that when I had, when I, Jane, I was like, my brother, my older brother, he's gone now, but he bought me all these Sudoku books in the beginning of the stroke. I couldn't, like, okay. what the hell is this? What is this, a crossword puzzle or, you know? Well, well, it's a lot easier that, well, it's not, it, there's all different levels, but it's, it's I, chess, I would never be able yeah. to do chess, yeah. and you did chess, but, um, yeah, I didn't go to the most difficult level of it, but I had a little Nintendo DS, and I would, I, you know, I wanted to continue my cognitive therapy at home, and, and, and so did you. Um, I mean, there are survivors that don't do that, mm -hmm. um, and, and we went the right path, and I still do Sudoku. Uh, I can't even say it now, but uh, um, we do word games, and, um, mm -hmm. I, and and it's good for everybody. It is. It is good for everybody. Yeah, crossword puzzles. There's certain parts of the brain that we don't use, and the purpose of doing that for somebody with a brain injury is to create the new path um, of neurons, yeah. and it does work. Yeah. I, I, and but whatever word you want to use, it's hard work. It is hard work, Joe. I found that yeah. learning Python was kicking my butt. Python was was kicking my butt, man. Learning, you know, the language Python. Oh, okay. yeah, I'm familiar with it. Joe had to explain it. Yeah. Well, all I know is teeth. I don't know computer. Mm, yeah. Um, but I learned it. I learned it well enough, you know, Python. That's great. And I learned, I learned Unix, I learned, um, Linux. how to go on Amazon because I didn't use the computer very much. I mean, as a dental hygienist, yes, dental offices do use computers, but you still need clinically to get into somebody's mouth. But I, since my brain injury, I've learned really well how to buy things on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. We'll take that one. Well, it's okay. Joe, Joe. 
you know, smile. I mean, I haven't gone. I, it's not like I bought a new car and I pulled up in the driveway. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I do know someone in, in our cognitive group that did buy a new car. Um, it, was dental, it was definitely from um, frontal lobe disinhibition. Um, mm -hmm. He bought a new car and kind of crashed it. And, oh, no. Um, I yeah. didn't go that bad. I, you know, I, I just... I don't know. It, it's so easy now. Part of it is because of COVID. A lot of stores have closed, but mm -hmm. that's another whole subject. Yeah, I was looking at I was looking at a small plane when I had my um, you know, I had my brain injury. To buy a small plane, I was like, "Are you crazy?" Yeah. <laughs> Are you cra oh. <laughs> I went up in one. Yeah. I, I went up. I took some lessons, and I I could not. I don't understand the Horizon line, Joe. And they told me. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand the horizon line, you know, on the, on the, um, on the, what you call on the cockpit, there's, there's all kinds yeah. of things. He said, you don't need yeah. to be, you don't need to be even near a plane. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't like this stuff. I'm scared. You know, in a small plane, you feel all, everything, you feel the wind, you feel everything. It's, it's, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. I couldn't do that. I couldn't continue to, um, to do anything like that as far as like um, getting a pilot. Well, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's good that you tried and, and it's good that you realized that it, it wasn't going to work. Um, I'm trying to think if I tried anything and it didn't work. Um, well, also, you know, there was the, there was a, the divorce lawyer hanging around the house. So I was like, hmm. She said, oh, that's, that's a joke. <laughs> no? she, she said, no, you better take your butt. Please, please don't even try it. Don't even go for that. And I said, yeah, you're yeah, right. Uh, you know, you're right. Yeah. I couldn't divorce Joe because I needed him so much, and he was the only one making money. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't know if I could have done as well as he did being a caregiver, and he still is because mm -hmm. I still have problems um, paying paying attention and reading directions. I, I mean, I hate to say I always did, mm -hmm. but I did. But now mm -hmm. it's just like I. I I don't try because uh, I know I, I I have a little bit of a negative attitude um, reading directions. I have I have a negative attitude. Um, I I didn't have oh boy I can't remember the word. I didn't have much positivity before my brain injury. Um, a little bit of depression and. Mm -hmm. It's definitely worse now, but it but it's, but it's you're under medication, and I'm I'm okay. Good, good, good. You're taking care of it. You're aware of that, yeah. and that's something yep. that you are challenging. Right. And Joe is helping you, and you are getting professional help, and that's that's wonderful. I think that's you know, that's the best news I've heard all day. You know, that's great. Oh, good. Yeah, and from a caregiver perspective. Uh, uh, and this can go back to uh, a day, a week, a month, or whatever past the injury to 20 years past the injury. Mm -hmm. You have to know when to push and when not to push. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you got to know when to like, you got to, you know, you're right, you know, about that. You know, I find that so important to be able to laugh at yourself, to um, yeah. to say no, to go for a walk, to just to drop everything for a couple of, a day or two if you can. You know, if you can drop things, I found that works for me and just do something. If it's just go to an art museum, if it's just just yeah, do uh -huh. something different, you know, um, just get away from it. You know, just like because the brain injury is not us. You know, it happened to us. I believe that. You now, my philosophy is that this is something that happened to me. And it, and how can I use this to enhance my life to um to, to keep moving forward? And sometimes, you know, like mm -hmm. you said, you got to just put it down. Just put it down yeah. and do something different, you know, yeah. and just don't think so much. You know, we're always thinking, thinking, you know, like Freud said, from one thought, Young said, I don't know, from thought to thought every day, billion thoughts in yeah. our head, running through our heads. Like, you know, I think that, um, which McCollum said it better in his support group, um, the guy that was a cop that got shot in the back, um, Rose's husband, oh. and I seen him, I went to, I, I seen him like a, a couple of months ago, I ran into him at a, at a, we had a run at the shore in New Jersey at Bel, at Belmar, not Belmar, okay. Bradley Beach. I went with, and he was down there and he's now, 
he um he has like a walker and he said something like that that was like um you know like phenomenal and i remember what he said yeah. and yeah i i was sometimes i was the good guy sometimes i was the bad guy but i never stopped caring yes yes right yeah yeah you know Joe? Because I had the problem, the aphasia part of the word-finding um, problem, uh, Joe was called the word police um, because the therapist at my rehab hospital outpatient said, Joe, don't give her the word. So he was telling everybody. And they, my friends were trying to help me. My friend had come over to my house, and she had been very helpful in my rehab she had gotten all my clothes and sneakers ready and blah, 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 my inpatient rehab. And Joe was home, and I said, Patty, can you give me the, and I meant to, t to say the coaster, but I couldn't think of, my favorite word was thing, give me that thing. Mm -hmm. So she would say, you mean the coaster? And Joe would yell out, word police, word police. And we would laugh, but... You know, people were like, oh, please, is Joe around? I'm going to be called, you know, word police. <laughs> That's funny. And uh, correction, I have a correction here. Uh, Rosa's husband, I don't believe he was shot in the back. That was somebody else that I met later on in my life, like a couple of years ago. I think Rosa's husband was a police officer that was hit by a car or something. Yes, um, yes, you're right. Yeah, right. Was, yeah. He was hit by a car down the shore. He was struck pedestrian. Yeah. Yeah, he was hit by a car, and I ran into him at the uh, at the run, yes. the five k he, run. He's very, he's like you, and I'd like to say he's like Joe and I. And he and his wife Rose are very proactive with mm -hmm. brain injury. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And I, since COVID, I miss going to sit with you, and you can eat my lemon cake at our rehab um, hospital support group. Um, I just miss everybody. That's that's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the bad thing about. Um, well, yesterday you were. We, yes, yesterday you were saying that. To actually today you were saying yesterday you were at, you were speaking at a support group, right? You and Joe. Uh, no, what we did was. Oh, this is it's just so. Yeah, we we ran into a woman. Right before St. Patrick's Day. Right, right before St. Patrick's Day, we were shopping, and, and there was a bad snowstorm, and uh, the, the supermarket didn't have a lot of produce. So, so we just started talking to the woman about how to get a meal together without the produce that they were both looking for. And I, I don't know if Jane or this other woman first said, uh, I have a brain injury. But, and they both had brain injuries, so we, we spent the next hour and a half there talking with her mm. <laughs> and got together with her yesterday to go back to her rehab facility to see if we could help others with brain injury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, we're, we're trying. We, we live now in New York State in a very rural area, um, and we'd like to be able to be a one-on-one -on -one, uh, again um, mm -hmm. and, and help people up here in the county we're in up here um, there's a lot there's not a lot of knowledge about brain injury like they don't understand that a stroke like you had or an aneurysm or other internal brain injuries they don't understand that they are brain injuries similar to myself traumatic um, and and that's we I miss New Jersey, the support groups. We did go on. Uh, Joe and I did facilitate the Bergen County Brain Injury Support Group, and during COVID, we went online, go to meeting, and we had a pretty good amount of people on it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not the same as the one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you know, that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast too. You know, through, for us. Yeah, that. For COVID us. Oh, it did bring out. Uh, obviously, it brought out really bad things, but it did change the world, and it's great what you're doing because people are now communicating about brain injury and other things from all around the country. Mm-hmm. 
that can't go to a physical area. So what you do is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you, Joe. And thank you, Jane. Thank you so much for that. And before I end the show, we're coming to the end of the show, Scrambled Eggs and Ham podcast. Um, do you have any questions for me? Mm. Uh, I do not. Okay. No, I don't, but I'm sure I'll think of something during the day. Like, we should have done, we should have, I don't know. Okay, well, well, if you have any, you have my information, you know how to contact me anytime. Feel oh, free, yeah. Feel free to contact me. And listen. Definitely. It's, it's great hearing your voice, and um, it's like the old gang. Um, from our support group that you and I went to with with Joe, and it was a it was a great group. Um, yeah, yeah, we had some very special. Everybody is special, and that was a special. Yeah, that was yeah. a special group. We all, yeah. we all bonded together. We welcomed, which is very important to welcome new people that come into a support group because you can tell they're new because they look around like they have they're a deer with lights in their eyes. Right. I don't think I said. That. Did but, uh, deers in a headlight? Uh-huh. Deer in a right, right, right. <laughs> close, close enough. Yeah, we we understood that. We understood it. Yeah. You know, I think it's wonderful. You know, I think Jane, you sound great. You know, you really sound great. You know, Joe has been taking. I can tell he's taking really great care of youth. Thank you, Joe. Way to go. Way to be a lion. And um, you know, I just want to say, you know, thank it's, it, thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate both of you. And I want to say that, you know, thank you to the audience or they call them internets or listeners or whoever's listening. And a lot of people do listen to this podcast. You know, I'm really excited about that. Thank you so much for joining us today. My sincere prayers are for your health, your happiness, and that you live out your lives to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening to the Scramble Eggs and Ham podcast. Today, we were talking about caregiving with Jane and Joe Concato. Did I say that right, Joe? Yes, yes, you did. Wow, thank you. I got that right. The word police said right. That was okay. (laughs) Well, if the word police says right, it's right then. All righty. So thank you again. Thank you so much. Please have a victorious week. Today is Wednesday. And um, I know, um, you know, daylight savings time is like we don't have enough time in a day to to accomplish what we want to accomplish. But, you know, have a victorious week, what's left of it. And, and and reach your goals and stay safe. And I look forward to speaking to both of you again. Have a wonderful, a wonderful. Definitely, Bill. We miss you, and it was great talking to you. Thank you so much. Bye, Jane. Bye, Joe. Bye. Bye.